We have to go back! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, like the phoenix rises from the ashes, mm. we are reviewing the 2006 X-Men colon The Last Stand. That's a lot of punctuation. <laughs> oh man, and we are reviewing this movie because... Dark Phoenix is making its way into theaters finally after right. tons of pushback. Let me just take you back, Grayson. Let me take you back to the year known as 2006. Oh, I'm so excited about graduating from high school. Just getting into character of, yeah, of yeah, yeah. where we're going. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C. Okay. I'm there. I feel um, like you had a different high school experience. <laughs> Um, so 2006 uh, was a big year for superhero movies. Um, there were several um, out in theaters, uh, one of them being a V for Vendetta, mm. um, mm-hmm. which released in March, you know, and it was a darker movie. Yeah, it's um, a real gritty Sesame Street story. <laughs> yeah. Another movie known as Superman Returns, which was in just been trying to be developed for years. This was basically the fourth in the original uh, Christopher Reeve Superman like storyline. So they were telling a continuation of a movie that hadn't even been out for like over a decade. Um, and it was Superman Returns that actually swiped up the uh, director of Brian Singer. Uh, and he left the X-Men project, uh, even though the X3 was scheduled to come out you know around the same time so after the departure of brian singer uh fox decided to hire matthew vaughn and screenwriters zach penn and simon kinberg to continue the project now the initial idea for the third x-men movie revolved around the famous dark phoenix storyline now in the abridged version is spoiler alerts for a comic book that came out in the 80s um in the comics gene gray is possessed by a cosmic entity known as the phoenix And initially increases her telepathic and telekinetic abilities considerably. And after being manipulated by a malicious secret society known as the Hellfire Club, uh, the Phoenix begins to manifest much darker intentions. And ultimately, Jean becomes a threat to the galaxy as a whole and powerful alien empire. Uh, So the X-Men protests to fight to save her, but Jean takes her own life to end the threat of the Phoenix. It is widely considered to be like one of the best comic book storylines not only x-men but just comic book storylines ever um fox on the other hand because it was 2006 uh they said that is too dark which is something that (laughs) they don't uh, say that anymore no they said no "Mm, but can we make it darker Mm, now they say can we put it in the title (laughs) could it be called darker phoenix i don't know let's just see (laughs) darkest phoenix there it goes uh and so uh, they originally didn't want to do the Phoenix Saga. So it's kind of like a reverse of what happened with uh, the Spider-Man 3 movie, where it's just like, hey, the studio's like, yeah, we should do Venom. It's like, ah. Sam Raimi's like, I don't want to do Venom. I'm going to do Sandman. It's like, no, you got to do Venom. People love Venom. So opposite day with was happening over at Fox Studios. And so Penn and Kinsberg protested, and they said, we have to have Phoenix. It's going to be so good. And they they reached a compromise where they said, okay, we'll balance out the Dark Phoenix storyline with a cure for mutant storyline. 
Uh, and that Cure storyline was um, actually inspired by a then recent comic written by Joss Whedon. Um, and so because of that, we have these. Basically- Wait, sorry. Are you talking about Joss Whedon from Speed? <laughs> that guy. That's what I know him from. He's the um, dialogue guy from Speed, right? He's okay. the dialogue guy from Speed. That's on his business card. I'm that guy. Uh, and so because of that history, that complicated uh, scheduling history, we have X-Men colon Last Stand, uh, a movie that is not unlike a double feature because you get two stories packed into one. Oh, that's true. It's a grindhouse picture. <laughs> Um, now, the uh, synopsis for the movie is the human government develops a cure for mutants and Jean Grey becomes a darker, uncontrollable persona called mm. the Phoenix. The key word there was and, I think. <laughs> I heard it now that you said mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who allies with Magneto, causing an escalation into an all-out battle for the X-Men. Interesting. Uh, now, this movie came out, like we said, in 2006 with a budget of 210 million at the time one of the most expensive uh movies to be made Hmm. um it would then be beat out by you know every other movie that came out after it Um, (laughs) anything that rhymed with avatar (laughs) yes um and it ended up making over 459 million dollars in the box office okay um okay now, this movie has just a ton going on with it, uh, and I want to try to abridge a lot of my thoughts. Uh, but one of the things I did want to point out is a lot of the scheduling conflicts that added to different plot points that um, uh-huh. happened. Uh, both James Marsden. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> but I think we can get the glasses. Yes. I think they're free. I think the glasses are available. Call his sunglasses agent. Yes. Stat. James Marsden, Anna Paquin, who played Rogue, and Rebecca Romaine um, all had scheduling conflicts. And so their characters took the mutant cure bus to peace out. And uh, they did not make appearances in the movie. There's actually a rumor that says that as soon as Brian Singer left the project, James Marsden just asked for his character to be killed off. Oh, That's wow. just rumor. Uh, I haven't confirmed it because I don't have James Marsden's number uh, because I have other um, hedgehog mutant-based questions to ask him. But you know, I do wh- have a question for the listeners because yeah. I had forgotten that Rogue... I, we're led to believe, I guess, she got the cure. Mm-hmm. Um, then in Days of Future Past, there's the rogue cut. And I know she was in... She There was a storyline with her in Days of Future Past. I saw the theatrical version, which she's not in. I have not seen the rogue cut because I, I don't want to pay for it on iTunes. But I uh, I would love to know, like, does she have her powers again? Um, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know. Or is she just there being like, go, my friends! I'm here too. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd love to know. Please spoil the road cut for me. Yeah, um, I have bigger questions about Days of Future Past uh, as it relates to this movie. Oh, that was um, the only one I had. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah. We're gonna, before, so we're going to hop into another section called uh, Don't Think Too Much About It. Oh, I love it. Uh, so, hey, Grayson, you mm, know yeah. how in the movie, like firmly, like I'd say like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a certain captain, I'm sorry, professor, um, yeah. gets, 
uh, dusted. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly halfway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was seeing Days of Future Past. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can. Well, first of all, don't think too much about it. Got it. Um, secondly, I know the answer. Oh, is it that he took the underwear from the um, little uh, pole at the end of the movie and we are revealed that aliens exist? Yeah, so you know. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Actually, this was something, dipping into reactions a bit, this is something I don't, I think we're in another post-credit scene that I have never seen somehow. So it's actually a really interesting setup where in... Uh, Professor Xavier's class, he's talking about his colleague Moira, who Rose Byrne plays in the uh, all the prequel first class series. Uh, that character is experimenting on a patient where they are trying to put the consciousness of one person into someone else. Uh, and he's like in a coma. That is who we see in the post credit sequence of this movie. And when we hear Charles... It is Charles in the consciousness of that coma patient speaking to her telepathically. Now, to be like, hey, how'd he get his body back? Because he's in the hairy coma guy. First of all, don't think too much about it. (laughs) Secondly, the key is the post-credit sequence for The Wolverine. So, about to spoil The Wolverine, after, you know, he has his vacation to Japan or whatever... He comes to the airport. I think it's called a walkabout. Oh, a walkabout. After his uh, National Lampoon's walkabout, which would be great. Where's that movie? Um, He uh, is at the airport. Everything freezes like Xavier does. And uh, Wolverine sees Xavier and Magneto walk up. And Logan's like, what's going on? He's speaking for the audience at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, he will continue to do so. And Xavier then says something to the effect, I didn't look this up, but it's something to the effect of, from what I remember, you're not the only one with powers. (laughs) So, you know, because he's not the only one with powers, he has a body again. My guess is that he he used the, the coma mind to telepathically pull all of his cells together and then transferred his consciousness into his old body or he got Moira's help. The question is, why still the chair? If you can do that, you know? Grayson, Grayson first off, don't think too much about it. Oh, Secondly, right. I have uh, I have several words. I, I didn't take the time to actually count it out, but I have several words for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I guess it's just four. Last Jedi... Force projection. Oh, uh, we're getting into some solid headcanon. Um, don't think too much about it. Oh, right. But don't think too much about it. Uh, also, does Magneto have his powers again? I'd like to think so. Uh, Inception rules. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the chess piece was his totem. It was his totem the uh, whole time. <laughs> I don't even know what segment we're in anymore. I don't know. Let's start the podcast. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> uh, I can anchor us back to what we were talking about, though. <laughs> oh, you're recording, right? Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned one really crucial name in your history there, and uh, that was Simon Kinberg. And if that sounds familiar, like you've been hearing it more, it's because he is directing Dark Phoenix. 
um, and has been involved in a ton of stuff that we've geeked out about over the last decade, uh, like the Deadpool movies. And uh, I mean, he was involved with some Star Wars projects, Fantastic Four. He's been a producer on basically every X-Men film. Um, but this is a guy that's been in the IP for so long and now uh, as a producer role or a writer role, and he's he's directing Dark Phoenix. So I believe that he's really going to be able to take it where they, they want to go with it. And I know even Sophie Turner plays Jean Grey in uh, Dark Phoenix. She sat on the red carpet for the premiere. She was like, this is Dark Phoenix done right. So I am very encouraged by that. And just knowing that Simon Kimberg was part of the original. This does feel like a redemption story to some degree. Yeah. Don't you mean rogue redemption story? Oh, you know what I did? But I didn't want to pay iTunes and I never. Okay. <laughs> Simon Kimberg also produced The Martian. So we know he's good at movies where people go to space and get like all messed up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and we all know that his source material was Rocket Man. So, Grayson, <laughs> mm-hmm. we remember this movie. Uh, when it first came out, um, largely because they it, this movie played at both of our high school graduations, I assume. Oh, you had a very different <laughs> high school experience than me. At the graduation? You yeah. didn't have a commencement speaker? The dean was like, you all are the worst, so we're just going to play the best of Charles Xavier, and yeah. hopefully you learn something from him. <laughs> Rewatching this movie for the podcast... It left me feeling like I had been too harsh on this movie in the past. I remember for a long time, movies couldn't get worse than X-Men The Last Stand. Yeah. Uh, that was the idea. Um, but we did not know how good we had it. We didn't know that Green Lantern could be an option. But even though no, every movie's a miracle, don't think every about it. Every movie's a miracle. Um, we also didn't know... Um, that Spider-Man 3, um, you know, coming out the following year was an option. And watching this movie, is it's not that bad. I, I'll just say that. Like, I was like, you know what? This, this isn't half bad. You know, we get uh, a hint towards the Sentinels, which I know is a big thing that as like an X-Men fan, I was like, I want yeah. to see the Sentinels. Well, in this, uh, I think they're called the Hintinels. Oh, my mm-hmm, gosh. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You deserve better. <laughs> Everyone deserves better. <laughs> Um, and so we saw the Hintonals, yeah. and and we also um, kind of got a teasing towards uh, Angel, who uh, yeah. later becomes Dark Angel with uh, the whole Apocalypse storyline. It's in uh, the title. It's in the title. And we also got Juggernaut for the first time, and we right. got a famous uh, internet meme inside mm-hmm. of a giant-like movie. And so... Seeing it as a product of this time, I get it. I also think that most trilogies don't really know how to end. Um, yeah. and, and, and I don't think it can ever truly end in a satisfactory way uh, without at least doing some sort of time travel to right all your wrongs. In which case, I am glad that this happened so that we could then get Days of Future Past. That's crazy. I wrote the same thing. It was down on my reasons to recommend, but it's basically like this movie has to happen for Days of Future Past to matter. Yes, it yeah. really does. And, um, you know... Watching movies kind of evolve with its time 
uh, is really fascinating because when we watched X2 earlier this year, mm-hmm. um, oh man, that, that was, was this year, right? That was such a great movie. Oh, and, Jason, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Scott was there. Uh, and, and they had like a really solid storyline, and so to come off the you know heels of that movie and the superhero genre like growing more and more, I mean, of course you're gonna want to add more mutants and other um, lost and heroes co-stars to the project, um, and you know just become a, a mutant machine. Um, and because of the way that this movie kind of landed, we got the reboot that we now have because the X-Men franchise, I think so far is like one of the longest running franchises with 12 movies. In you count the Deadpool movies. Yeah, yeah. Counting Deadpool and counting like the prequels as even part of a soft reboot, but still in this world. We also have timeline. expanded world uh, TV shows like Legion. Right. right, right. Kinberg is also involved with, and mm-hmm. uh, The Gifted, which I think recently got canceled. But it is a massive universe they've set up. Yeah. And uh, and so my reaction to like rewatching it was like, you know what? This movie, amongst the other X-Men movies, isn't the best. But also it plays its piece because Magneto said this. The pawns go first. And I think that this movie was unfortunately a pawn that needed to be played in order for all of these other chess pieces. I don't know, chess uh, chess pieces to be able to be played. Yeah, well, if I learned anything from playing chess from Magneto at the end, you just mm-hmm. stare at the pieces real hard. Um, yeah. I, I would agree with that, though. It is um, a rebuilding movie in a lot of ways. And... I think that's why it was so panned is because it the expectation was this was going to be a conclusion and they didn't do that at all. They they really set up even the post credit scene. You're like, oh, so this isn't an ending. You're planning on doing more. And uh, I think that was confusing for a lot of people and also why they put so many mutants in it because there's the feeling of, oh, this is the last time we're going to get a chance to see some of these characters on screen. So we got to get everyone in there. Um, but yeah, it really was critical because have you seen the Wolverine? Um, no, I have not been to Australia. Okay, great. Um, so in the Wolverine, the huge thing about Logan, and this was kind of the weird disconnect for me was like at the end of last stand, he seems pretty well adjusted and like he likes life and he's looking out at the school grounds and he's like, I'm part of society in the Wolverine. He's like, no, I uh, am super depressed about Jean Grey's fate. I have nightmares about her all the time and he is uh, off on his own. And uh, it's really just him and, you know, Cyclops' glasses. No, uh, they couldn't get the glasses. So he, he like, goes off on his own. But this movie has to happen for that to really make sense for his character. So, yeah, it launches – and then Days of Future Past. It launches all these other uh, kind of stories and and properties. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a real tough sell as the end of the trilogy. Yeah, and it's also a movie that did really well. I, I think the same, I think Spider-Man 3 had a very similar fate, like largely panned by 
you know, critics and fans, but it made so much money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I think that certain series can only go on for so long before you have to reboot it or revitalize it. Otherwise, uh, people just kind of grow tired of it. I, I think that's what the MCU strength is, is that like even after you get like one or two or maybe even three Iron Man movies, you can mm-hmm. still get Iron Man, but with other characters and other casts of people. Right. Um, and so I think that, you know, after you do a last stand where you have like <laughs> mutants who <laughs> can just throw their bones at people. <laughs> it's just like, all right, I guess uh, we need to find some other mutants yep. and uh, and figure out uh, who else we're going to have in this lineup. Yeah, and I think the only thing that kind of lines up weird now, I feel like the the rest of the series kind of explains some of the choices, I guess. But the the twenty years earlier scene with Jean Grey as a kid and them walking about and all that, uh, it's it just doesn't work, you know? Yeah. It just doesn't. I mean, alternate timelines, sure, but that was a flashback, so it's fine. It's don't, for the greater good. Grayson, you, you you save that comment for the don't think too much about it segment. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm so thrown off where we are. It's like I'm in days of future past. Oh! oh! Our timeline <laughs> makes about as much sense as the X-Men timeline. So. Pretty much? Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, Grayson, did you hear the news? Oh, no. What? Yeah. Um, They just came out for a cure for headcanon. <laughs> headcanon. It's not yeah. a disease. <laughs> Because Headcanon is the part of the show where we share review unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Grace oh, Ricky, do you know why I have uh wait, did you just do it from memory? I did. I developed a new mutant ability. That's amazing. I've made such progress, such confusing progress. You know what? I was more excited that you did that from memory. I was willing to blow up the timing on my joke. <laughs> I'm so proud. Thank you. Yeah. Can I just do my joke? Do it. Just to, just to get it out Go there and then we can it. move on. I'm just I'm still so thrilled for you. Ricky, you know why I have to use a headcanon? Uh, why? Keeps my face pretty. Oh! Not really a joke, more of a reference. You know yeah. what? Not worth it. Ultimately. No, I thought you were going to say... What? Same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> Grayson, what, what is the uh, theory of relativity? E equals MC squared. Oh, is it... <laughs> Um, what's the thing that says energy uh, cannot be created or transferred or something? It's got to be one of Newton's laws of thermodynamics. Yep, 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 yep. That's exactly uh, what I meant. Mm. Um, I, I'm not even going to edit that out. <laughs> so, yeah, the first law of thermodynamics um, is that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Energy can only be transferred or mm-hmm. changed, yeah. um, including reality. So Phoenix can do anything with her mind, right? Right. Now, what do you associate with uh, a Phoenix, Grayson? What, what, oh, Harry you? Potter. Yeah. Okay. Second thing. Oh, Arizona. Okay. Uh, fourth. Online community learning. Okay. I see this leading is not going to work anywhere. So fire. From the ashes. That's like my eighth. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. So Jean died. She didn't really die the first time uh, from Mm -hmm. X2, but she died. Drowned. Yeah. Yeah. So she died by Wolverine's hands, right? 
In X2? Sorry, in X3. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, X is going to give it to you. So yeah. she dies, but that's so much energy, right? Yeah. Where is that going to go? I don't know. A, a junkyard? Well, like, no, Grayson. That I'm, th- I'm thinking of recycling. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, but I would think that that energy would go somewhere, oh. um, not necessarily physical mm-hmm. or material, but more ethereal. Oh. More specifically, ether. I oh. think that the power of the Phoenix Force is the ether, uh, or aka the reality stone in the MCU, because how did the Phoenix destroy everyone? Dusting them. I love that. That is so good. Super strong. Thanks. Sorry, I had to take the long way around to no. get there, but... That's that's my headcanon. Yeah, and that's why she meets it up in space and the new one and all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Huh. I love it. I dig it. Thank no you. Further, no further questions. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, my headcanon was much more basic. Oh. Uh, the, the It's basically just that. I, I don't know a lot about this character from the comics, but my headcanon was that Leech was Xavier's kid. Basically, whenever they're talking about Leech, it feels like Moira's around. Um, and uh, it's um, they got the same haircut is really what it is. It's um, the hairline. But what I found interesting, and maybe you can you can correct me on this or someone online can correct me on this if I'm way off. But I, I know on Charles's tombstone, it said, Father, Teacher, Leader. And I was like, (laughs) I got a question. Um, (laughs) Just not really addressed that I can remember in uh, in the three movies that we had at the time. So I'm like, probably the bald kid, right? (laughs) So uh, and like I said, Moira was kind of around all those conversations and she probably would have been, you know, the best candidate. For Charles to procreate is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fa- that struck me. I was like, "Father, okay." That's. Really I need good. to hear the full eulogy. No, that. <laughs> that's very good. I always thought that that was just like, yeah, he's father figure. You know? Yeah, but didn't teacher and leader kind of summarize those <laughs> points? If they had a three-word limit, I just assumed. Um, yeah. No, that's really. You, you solid. pay per letter on the on the <laughs> gravestone. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, my headcanon was that uh, Dark Phoenix actually refers to her uh, ability to instantly turn day into night because they're on the bridge. It's daytime. They're fighting on Alcatraz Island. It is night. Did yeah. not see the transition no. unless that is just a longer bridge than I remember. Oh, yeah. 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 That's probably it. I mean, they built it. They had mm-hmm. to like, yeah, built For it from uh, the other Golden Gate Bridge. So. <laughs> For sure. Now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk to you about recasts and remakes. Recast. Remake. You, you know you know why we have recasts and remakes? <laughs> to keep our faces pretty? Same thing that happens to everything <laughs> else. <laughs> so if this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Um, it's happening right now. It's so. happening. We're living it. Yeah. yeah. So um, our this will be a probably real short segment. 
but I do think that um, if they were to like basically delete everything and have it start up like now and have mm-hmm. the Phoenix saga be now, I would love to see just throwing it out there. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, for some reason, <laughs> I think she would do a great Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she'd be very good. Yeah. Um, I think that Robert Downey Jr. would make a great <laughs> Cyclops. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> and um, for Hugh Jackman, I mean, have you seen Mark Ruffalo? Mm, yeah. He uh, he looks like someone who would really enjoy being angry. Ah, uh, let's see who else is on the Avengers cast. Uh this is just really making me want to see Avengers versus X Men. Oh, that would be. And I really thought we were gonna get it in Endgame. Uh, somewhat of a spoiler for Endgame, but there's no X Men in it. Um, but I I honestly think that Chris Evans would make an, an incredible Cyclops. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as Professor Xavier goes, um, I just Benedict Cumberbatch. That's who I had. No way. Yeah. I think he'd do a really, really good job. Yeah, um, I think he'd be great. And um, and for Rogue, uh, Evangeline Lilly. Mm, and that's good. But in the remake, she she wouldn't go get the cure um, or go off and film whatever. What other? whatever other film she was working on. Uh, I, I just love to have her stay around and be awesome. Cause I love that opening scene where she borrowed uh, Colossus's like metal covering ability. I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And I would bring back uh, Darwin who was just wronged in X-Men first class. The guy who could adapt to anything. Um, I would make Darwin make his appearance here. And um, and instead of Leech, like he, he would be someone that they would use to like create an anti-cure, basically. You know, to shut down the Dark Phoenix and merge the two storylines together and in a satisfying third act conclusion. Yep. You ask too much. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, no, I okay, didn't. so... There is another comic line um, that I remember reading called New X-Men. Um, and this is really interesting with the X-Men comics because the X-Men, like, there's like a main X-Men storyline that happens, uh, like with the Apocalypse storyline, um, Dark Phoenix, uh, and a couple of other like major plot points where the X-Men comics will just jump onto different storylines and just say, hey, in this storyline, like a New X-Men Dark Phoenix story happened, except uh, Jean tamed the Phoenix Force, and now she just has mm. extra Phoenix powers. That is how I would end it. I would end it differently instead of yeah. her not being able to tame it. Like, her um, taming it and having her arc be like, oh, I'm not strong enough to tame this. It's just like, yes, you are, Jean. You're, like, you're the strongest mutant that we've ever encountered. You can overcome this and just basically become Captain Marvel. <laughs> I would have loved to see them separate to where they're able to, and then they just fight the Phoenix Force. Um, I think that would have been interesting as well. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Um, for Jean Grey, uh, I know um, it's been recast with someone from Game of Thrones, so I 
kept it in the Game of Thrones family with Esme Bianco, who played Roz from Game of Thrones. And I thought she was uh, real great on that. You already mentioned Benedict Cumberbatch for Xavier. For Magneto, Brian Cranston. He's yeah. so angry. Yes. And um, I think he would just look at those chess pieces like it was a fly in his lab. <laughs> and then for Storm, uh, Tessa Thompson. Oh, yeah. Because uh, she's great. I, I keep hearing this Wolverine uh, fan cast, and it's Daniel Radcliffe. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. Oh, that's so good. I like it a lot, and I want to see it. Yeah. Um, alternate for Xavier, I also had Terry O'Quinn. You know, just, okay. Yeah. yeah. He commands authority, and he wouldn't have to shave his head because he's <laughs> usually bald and very intense and great. Um, for Angel... I was inspired by your recasting, Ricky, and I went with Tom Holland. And then yes. uh, Kitty Pride, though. Kitty Pride, I had Allison Brie. Yeah. Uh, just want to see that. Yeah. And then um, I, it's a shame that we have not brought this up. Mm-hmm. I was maybe going to wait till Reasons to Recommend again. But Beast. The fact that Beast is played by Kelsey Grammer to me redeems the entire film. Yeah. If I were, if I had to recast it, if someone was holding everyone and everything I love dear hostage, said recast Beast, I'd I'd either pick Sean Bean or John Lithgow. Yes, either one. Yes, I'm I'm entertained by the thought of John Lithgow. Um, it'd be a much different, uh, much different Beast. I feel like. Yes. Uh, and then finally, for Juggernaut, uh, Forrest Gump. Just get Forrest Gump in there. Be really unstoppable. Oh, man. Because he just that. keeps running. Um, and for the storyline, I would really just love to lean into the story of Logan as a bad boy teacher who just won't play by the rules. And it's an 80s film. Yes. Yeah. I dig it. I dig yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. John Hughes's. X-Men, last class, Don't before you. summer. <laughs> yeah, X-Men Detention. I want to see X-Men Detention. Oh, I want to see the X-Fist Club. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bender's fist in the air, and then the claws come out. Yeah. I love it. I love snick, it. Snick. Yep. Okay, now we're going to go into our final segment, where we give you reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend X-Men colon last stand uh i'd recommend x dash men colon the last stand because i mean i've peppered in reasons throughout the whole episode but ultimately and i believe we talked about this in the previous x-men reviews the x-men movies have always been really good about setting up uh moral or social debates about what it is to be human um, it holds a mirror up to uh, socio-economical, socio-political uh, issues that are happening in the day. And ultimately, for better or worse, this movie still does that, um, especially with the Cure storyline. So I think at its heart, that's worth exploring. That's always going to be interesting to me, at least. And um, if you're not interested in any of that, two words, Kelsey Grammer. That's it. That's the only reasons you need. Yeah. Social political commentary. Mm-hmm. Frasier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you are asking more of any movie, maybe you should calm down, Jared. Do you even like movies? <laughs> um, so I, I would recommend X-Men colon The Last Stand. 
just last stand because it's cleaner. Um, we we did mention this before. Like this movie had to happen in order for us to get Days of Future Past. And mm-hmm. if that's what it took, I I'd remake this movie. Like I'd go back in time and remake this movie exactly how it is. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it's important to like be reminded that like stories can exist in multiple forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <laughs> I'm looking at the movie poster. It's literally, it's like, it's the last stand. It's about the dark Phoenix and the dark Phoenix is literally the la- the person furthest in the pack. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. Wolverine, uh, storm angel. And yeah, the Phoenix is better. Kelsey Grammer and um yeah but, you know, things, like it's it, it this movie is just uh, another good case study of just like what happens with executive meddling like mm. sometimes a studio will fight for a vision and the writers fight for a vision sometimes you have a compromise this isn't the worst compromise of movies um and if you do want the worst compromise in movies, boy, do we have recommendations, but not today. Uh, but ultimately, I think the X-Men Last Stand isn't as bad as you probably thought it was, especially after seeing so many other iterations of superhero movies and so many other iterations of X-Men movies. So the the movie X-Men Last Stand is really worth a second chance. Oh, Nice. And that is our review of X-Men The Last Stand. Let us know what you remember about X-Men The Last Stand on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean, I don't know, like it would be the cure for the our ailment. Oh, yeah. They're coming on next week. Uh, it would It would be like a cure for us if you could... You know, leave us a uh, rating and review of this podcast um, on a scale of one to five Wolverine claws. Um, on a scale of one to five, you know, uh, human bone splinters or uh, those the throwing bones, whatever you call them. I at first I thought they were tree trunks that he was like pulling out. I don't know. Those things, those gross things. Yeah. 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 What a gross ability. <laughs> Uh, on a scale of one to five, what's the name of the mutant that could multiply? Molten ply. Um, <laughs> they call me molten ply. Do they? Oh, multiple, multiple man. man. On a scale of one to five, a multiple man. Oh, yeah. Where one is like, you're just a normal guy. And five is, whoa, it's a decoy. Um, decoys being good in this case. Let us know. But to be clear, don't leave one rating and say, "Oh no, it's a, it's a multiple man." You just yeah, no, you gotta have all of them, or it just looks like a guy, you know, waiting for a bus or <laughs> camping, going to the bank, doing his laundry. But you got five guys doing laundry that all look the same, and you got a Michael Keaton movie. <laughs> and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flex Retro Movie. Still then remember to be kind of rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. We 
are going to be back in black. We're going to rewatch Dark Phoenix. No, we are. <laughs> no, we are watching Men in Black 2. Ooh, and here I was thinking I'd have to wait till February. <laughs> because we do sequel. I think that's because, yeah, you really got to be a super fan to get that one. <laughs> 